welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. And we're going to be here in uh, Philippians chapter number four. Two years after the devastation of the great Chicago fire uh, that uh, swept there through Chicago and destroyed uh, many businesses and homes and things like that, a man by the name of Horatio Spafford, he was a wealthy businessman, uh, planned a trip with his family uh, to uh, go to Europe, but late... uh, zoning issues and uh, demands for the business that uh, he had uh, kept him from joining his family on the trip. And so he went ahead and he sent them along basically with the idea of, you know, you guys go, you enjoy your time there. Um, So his uh, wife and four daughters went to uh, Europe there on a family vacation. On November 22nd, 1873, while crossing the Atlantic, the steamship that his family and uh, was on there was struck by an iron sailing vessel, killing 226 people, including all four of Spafford's children. Uh, his daughters, Annie, age 12, Maggie, age 7, Bessie, age 4, and an 18-month-old baby. His wife, Anna, survived the tragedy upon arriving in England. She sent him a telegram with the words, saved alone. As Spafford sailed to England to join his wife, he wrote the song that we just sang, It Is Well With My Soul. His life would continue to have difficulties with financial ruin and loss. His wife had three more children, and then his youngest son of those three children died at the age of three. And so here's a man who endured, his family endured tremendous circumstances and difficulties in life, but yet he remained content. And that's what we've been talking about, contentment how we can be content in any situation. Uh, Paul spoke about this contentment in the passage that we're going to be looking at here again um, as he learned about how to be content. And he, he said, this is something that I've learned. It's a mark of spiritual maturity. And we talked about what the secret of contentment was, and it was found in verse 13, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so if you are a believer in Christ, we are to be maturing in our faith. It's that mark of spiritual maturity where we are to be learning how to be content uh, when things don't go our way, when we encounter difficulties and trials and troubles in this life. And so this is where Paul found himself. Uh, He's writing, he's under house arrest. Um, There's other believers who are slandering his his ministry, what, uh, what he's doing. And uh, he says, in all these things, everything that I've endured in life, I've learned how to be content. So let's read here our text here, uh, Philippians 4, verses 10 through 19. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. 
I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, I've learned this. I've had to learn this, the secret of contentment. Have you learned it yet? Are you going through school right now and you're being taught how to be content? It's a mark of that spiritual maturity that all of us have to do. Uh, we all of us still struggle with our old sinful nature, our old thought patterns, old ways, because we still have a sin nature that we struggle with and we have to learn how to live according to God's standard, God's way. And that means that we have to change our thinking, the way that we are thinking. I mean, Paul talked about that, right? Think on these things. If we're going to be rejoicing always and rejoicing as the command that he gave us, um, we have to learn how to change our thinking, learn how to be content in any situation that we're in. Um, and so if you remember the contentment that Paul speaks of is a, is a different uh, type of contentment than what the world says. Uh, basically, the world thinks of contentment as the, the means of saying, well, if the conditions are right and everything's going well, then hey, you should be happy, right? Uh, but that's, that's not the case because often, many times, uh, myself included, Things don't go right. You know, we just heard Ed give a story about how a cop pulled him over and drove around the city blocks for 12 hours straight. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on, right? Uh, things aren't going well. And so if we are looking for contentment in the outside things, uh, we're never going to be uh, content in life. God's word speaks of a different kind of contentment. If you can recall, the definition that Paul gives about contentment here is the word meaning to not need assistance from the outside. In other words, it's self-sufficient. You don't need outside assistance to make you happy or to make you content uh, in this life. And that's primarily because if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, Jesus Christ who dwells inside of you, the Holy Spirit who's living inside of you, uh, is the one that is able to make you self-sufficient, not needing help from the outside. And that's what Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so Christ is sufficient in and all for all things as I walk with him. I'm in need of no other assistance. And so we have the power to be content, right? God gives us the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, but we have to actually do what God says that we have to do. We have to obey his word. And so if the circumstances in our life are difficult and hard, we have the power to be content, 
But it's not just enough just to be like, well, I have the Holy Spirit. We have to actually act upon what God says. Faith and obedience always go hand in hand. If you want to increase your faith, you're gonna have to increase your obedience to God and his word. And when we do that, we're able to actually walk in faith, not by sight, and do what God has commanded for us to do. And so we are self-sufficient in Christ, for he strengthens us to do all that God asks of us to do. And so we can live our life in such a way that regardless of circumstance, we can fulfill the purpose of our existence in bringing glory to God. If you can recall, remember in Ephesians 2, uh, uh, 8 and 9, for by grace you save through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. But then in verse 10, what does it do? It continues and it says, for we are his workmanship created unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. And so everything that happens in our life, it is for the glory of God. God is allowing and permitting these things in our life for his own glory. But we have to learn how to walk and be obedient in those circumstances when they come into our life. And so God gives us the power to do that. And so the, the contentment that Paul speaks about here is based on something far beyond this temporal world. I mean, it is looking towards the eternal. I mean, isn't that what scripture tells us to do? Set your mind on things where? Above, not on things here on the earth, right? So we have to have a heavenly mindset. We have to have a biblical mindset when we're viewing these difficulties and hardships uh, that come into our life. And so this is what I'd like for you to take away with you today. Again, God's word gives me the answers to be content in any situation. Um, I find it interesting that, that there's a lot of people think that God's word is only good for certain things, but then everything else we have to figure out on our own. That's not the case. God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And so we have the word of God that helps us actually learn how to be content in any situation. It gives us the answers how to deal with life. I find that the problem, even in my own life, maybe you've seen this as well, is the fact that one, I'm not reading God's word, and two, I'm not applying God's word. And so if we're not in God's word and we're not applying God's word, uh, it's very hard for us to actually find the answers and apply God's word to our lives so that way we can be content. So let's just go through there. I gave some of these last week. Uh, just got a refresher here about principles for contentment. I'm just going to go through these real quickly. And if we were sitting down, if we were having a conversation and you said, Mike, <clears throat> this happened in my life. I don't know what to do. I'm really struggling with this. This is what I would talk to you about. This is what I would give you so that that way you can learn how to deal with the situation, even though the circumstances might not change. Even though there still might be the tragedy and the difficulty, okay, those things may never change. But how do we actually deal with it and actually walk through uh, that difficulty? So here are the principles that I gave you. Number one, 
We must remember who God is and what he has done. Uh, this refers to the fact of who God is, that he's omnipotent, he's powerful, he's, he's the creator, he's sovereign, he's uh, in charge of everything, he loves us, he cares for us. This is who God is. What has he done? Um, he is the source of physical life, salvation. Um, he's our hope. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. Secondly, we must do what he commands. This is obeying God, what scriptural principles apply. And so whatever God's word tells us to do, we must do it. I remember, go back to the uh, example of Joshua, right? Joshua saw everything that God had done. I mean, he saw the, the, the waters come in over the Egyptians and completely wipe them out, right? When they crossed over the Red Sea. He saw God's power. Uh, but then God commands Joshua to now, hey, you're gonna lead, uh, my servant Moses is dead. Now you're in charge. You're going to be leading. And I want you to go into uh, the land of Canaan and you're going to fight uh, the uh, Malachites and you're going to fight the Canaanites and the Bidenites and, you know, all these guys, right? And uh, he says, you're going to go after these guys. You're going to take care of them, right? And uh, so he could have just said, well, hey, God, I know that you're powerful. I know you can do it but he had to actually act upon what God had commanded in order for that to happen. And so when we follow God's word, God's word is true and it will accomplish exactly what God wants us to do. And so he tells us these scriptural principles of actually how to live through our life and obey them. And then thirdly, recognize that God is sovereign and choose to rejoice regardless of your circumstances. And so this is the pattern. This is what we need to do to get our mind thinking biblically about the situation that we face in life. Now, last week I talked to you a little bit about um, being content in our relationship issues in life and things dealing with marriage, dealing with people. How can we be content in all those situations? And we went through a lot of those. And so this week, I really want to talk about material possessions. You know, um, when we might uh, have something that's, that, that gets lost, uh, it, gets, it gets destroyed, um, we lose a job, you know, things like that. How can we be content in those types of situations. So let's, uh, let's look through a few of these things. So following those principles, I'm gonna give you some things here how we can be content. And maybe some of these areas might hit home to you because these are actual things that have happened to people that I know. And uh, so I'm sure all of us may have been in one of these situations one time or another. So being content in loss of material possessions. So here's a, here's, a, here's a for instance. You go outside to get in your car and find that someone had smashed into it. I mean, they broke off your mirror, they crashed into the side of it and drove off, whatever. Uh, about a year ago, I was up doing uh, sermon prep and this was late uh, Friday night, early Saturday morning and a guy crashed right into my truck and drove away, right? I followed him over to his house, I followed the, the antifreeze and plastic pieces on the ground, you know, and I found him where he was, lived in my neighborhood. I mean, my truck was destroyed, right? Like, what am I gonna do? I mean, I could yell and scream at him and talk about how horrible my life is now that I don't have a truck and, you know, all this kind of, right? I gotta be content in these situations. So how can we do that? Um, or how about uh, your house was broken in and robbed? Anybody have their house robbed before? House was broken into? I have, yeah, okay. 
Um, someone steals something from you. Maybe they steal your credit card or your identity or, hey, that's right. You got to start buying those, uh, Tom, you got to stop buying those uh, sham wowies offline, okay? Yeah. Can't do that, right? Uh, you suffer some loss of something you own, right? You lose something, okay? So what are the biblical principles? Well, who is God? Well, Psalm 94, 2, he's the righteous judge of all the earth. Rise up, O judge of the earth, render recompense to the proud. I need to remember that God is the one who is the judge, not me. What has he done for you? Well, Romans 8 uh, tells us that he has provided a means in Christ for us, for our sins to be forgiven so that we are no longer under his condemnation. Uh, God has, is going to judge, but guess what? He has judged our sin in the person and work of Jesus Christ, and he has made a way possible for us to be forgiven. What biblical principles apply here? Well, Romans 12, 19, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. How about Matthew 6, 15? But if you do not forgive men, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. So here you are, maybe someone crashed into your vehicle and you find out it's the uh, you know, 17-year-old that's working at the uh, crispy fry, you know, and he's uh, wrecked right into your vehicle. And you know, you go up there and you're like, hey man, you wrecked in my vehicle. Oh, let me go get my manager, you know, and you know, trying to you talk to him and you know there's you're really upset and mad okay and you're not offering or extending forgiveness towards him right these are biblical principles that you have to actually apply uh, or how about your a family member steals something from you oh boy right you know your uh, daughter or your son your granddaughter grandchild whatever uh, comes in and they steal money from you right you going to hold that against them for the rest of their life? Right? You got to offer forgiveness. You got to extend forgiveness. Uh, Luke 12, 15. Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. So if all of our, if all of our contentment is wrapped up in what we own and that gets taken away, and we're just so upset about that. What is that showing? It's showing that we have a very greedy heart. And we have to remember that God's word tells us, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. Numbers 5, 7, and he shall make restitution in full for his wrong and add it to one fifth of it and give it to him whom he has wronged. These are principles that we can remember and we can apply to our lives and what God's word has to say. So how can we obey him? Well, we can seek justice, but not revenge. Here, you broke my headlight out. Well, I'm going to break two of yours out. You know, nothing like that, right? Um, <laughs> that guy thinks he can come in my yard and throw his trash. Well, <laughs> guess what? That's... <laughs> That's not what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, we're supposed to be forgiving. Remember that life is not about how much you own. God owns it. You are just using it. 
That's it. It's his. So if your car gets destroyed, your house gets broken into, who actually owns it? It's God's. It's not yours. He's letting you borrow it. That's it. How about this one? The house you live in burns down or your basement floods. You lose a lot of stuff. Your new carpet that you just put in your basement. You mean you spent, you spent your Biden stimulus check on that, right? And now it's flooded and you lose it all. What are you going to do? Your house gets destroyed in a flood. A tornado rips your house and everything in it apart. There's an earthquake and your house gets destroyed. How can we be content in those situations? Well, who is God? He's the one who owns it all. He owns all things. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and it all and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. We need to remember that God is the one that owns everything. What has he done for you? Well, he's provided you with life, Acts 17, 25. He himself gives to all life and breath and all things and everything you need to live. We need to remind ourselves about that. How about Romans 2, 4? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? God is very kind to us and he's, he extends his mercy and his grace towards us even when we don't deserve it. Think of all the things that, you, that are blessings that we kind of take for granted, right? And then we get upset when things don't go our way. And we need to constantly remind ourselves of who God is and what he has done. So what biblical principles apply here? Well, Romans 8.32, he freely gives us all things. He freely gives us all things. James 1.17, every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. 2 Peter 3, 9 through 13 reads this, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God on account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat? But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So think about that, right? Like, everything's going to be burned up anyways. So why are you so upset that God just took it a little bit earlier? Right? How can we obey him? Well, we're to be looking to God to provide for our needs in the midst of our loss. Remember that all those possessions that you have are actually belong to God. They're not what your life is about. Be content with what you have and be grateful for it. Work hard at not complaining about it. I tell you, this, this is a thing that continually comes up in my, in my own life. Just like I said, last year, my truck got smashed. I mean, the guy hit it so hard, the tailgate went flying across the, the, the yard. I found it just way over there in the yard. I mean, it, it, was, it was trashed. And don't you think when I go to uh, restore to pick up something, I'm like, man, I really wish I had my truck. 
hey, Jane, can you bring the other vehicle over here? We're going to have to do like a convoy. Take out all the seats, right? I mean, this is things that I, that I and, you know, those thoughts come into my mind thinking, man, if I just had that truck, if I could just have that truck, my life would be so much easier. But can I tell you something? That even though that guy smashed into my truck and destroyed it, I actually got more money for that truck than it was worth. God actually gave me a blessing with all of that. And here I am complaining that I don't have the truck. See what I'm saying? Okay. You've got to work hard at that. And it just tells us how, uh, how, how warped our mind and our thinking is. And we have to change our, our thinking in that. Uh, how about being content in financial stress? Here's, a, here's one. You find yourself suddenly unemployed or you got fired from your job and it was not your fault. That happened to me. Right? Like, what's worse than that, right? Like, you're a pastor and you get fired from a church. That's pretty bad, right? Oh my word, what did you do? Just wanted to follow the Bible. That's it, right? Um, what do we do? Well, we need to remind ourselves who is God. Deuteronomy twelve or Deuteronomy ten fourteen. The one to whom belongs heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. What has he done for you? Psalm 136, 25, who gives food to all flesh for his loving kindness is everlasting. Romans 2, 4, do you not presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? And so even though we have this financial stress, we have this difficulty, I remember um, when I got fired from previous church that I was at, my wife had just had Evelyn. She was about uh, four, three, three or four months old. And I remember going into the, uh, to the room there that we had for the, for the nursery, and Evelyn's laying there asleep, and I just cried. I cried because I'm thinking to myself, what in the world am I going to do? God had, God had stripped everything away that, that I needed to provide for my family. What am I going to do? I mean, here I am. I was working at a church for nine years. This is, this is like my bread and butter. This is the one I'm going to use if, if I'm going to go someplace else. I could say, hey, here's, here's the previous church that I was at. This is what I did at this previous church. And then I talk to the pastor and say, hey, can you give me a, a, a reference? He's like, no, I'm not giving you a reference. Well, that's hard. Like, what are you going to do, Right. So we've got to remember that God does provide for us. God does take care of us. He provides everything that we need in our life. What biblical principles apply here? Matthew 6, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Psalm 37, 25, I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. God provides. How can I obey him? Well, work hard to find employment, but put God's kingdom and his righteousness first. Live in expectation that he will meet your real needs and not your wants. How about this one? You don't make as much money as you want and it keeps you from having what other people have. Your coworkers or your neighbors don't follow God. They seem to have more blessings than you do. New car, new boat, nicer landscaping, 
etc., etc., etc. They just put up a new pool, got that Biden stimulus money coming in, you know. What are you going to do, right? Are you going to you going to complain about it? You're going to be not be content in those situations? Well, we've got to remind ourselves, who is God? Exodus 34, 6 teaches us that he is the sovereign creator who is characterized by being compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. And his kindness is a cause to lead the unrighteous to repentance. That's Romans 2, 4. What has he done for you? He provides for your needs. Psalm 145, verses 15 and 16. The eyes of all who look to you and, to, and you give them their food at the proper time, you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. God provides for our needs, not our wants. And we have to remind ourselves about that. What biblical principles apply here? 1 Timothy 6, 7 and 8. For we have brought nothing into this world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. Did you ever see a hearse hauling a U-Haul trailer? Nope. I've been to lots of funerals, done lots of funerals, and I can tell you for a fact, when you die, you leave everything here. Everything. It's all here. I remember when my grandmother had passed away, she had Alzheimer's, and uh, we were there very last few hours of, of her uh, living here on this earth. And there she was gasping for breath, gasping. And the moment that she took her last breath, you could tell something had left. She was gone. And I was looking around the room and I see grandma's necklaces, I see grandma's things, I see grandma's jewelry box, I see grandma's clothes. It was all still there, all of it. And so we don't take anything out of this world. It all stays here and it's all gonna get burned up. And so if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Psalm 73, 12 and verses 16 and 17, behold, these are the wicked and always at ease. They have increased in wealth. When I ponder to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. David's going, I'm looking at the wicked. I'm seeing what they're doing. I'm seeing that they're increasing in abundance and I'm troubled by this. And what does he say? When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. So how can you obey him? Well, repent of your covetousness and enviness. Be thankful for what you have. Remember to see things from God's eternal perspective. His final judgment is still to come. Material wealth will not do the wicked any good there. And so this is all about trusting God. Turn with me over to uh, Jeremiah 17. I want to just show you something here. Jeremiah 17, and look at verses uh, 5 through 10. Look what it says here. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who, what? Trust in man. Don't trust man. Don't trust what man says. Don't trust what man is doing. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. And notice what he describes what this person is like. 
He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. What's heat? What's the heat? Anything, circumstances in our life that are troublesome and hard and difficult, when the heat comes, what's the difference between the person who trusts in the Lord and the person who doesn't? Here's what he says. He sends out its roots by the stream, does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious. Wow, isn't that interesting? Isn't that what Paul was talking about there in Philippians 4? Do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. He's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. And so this is about growing your faith in him. This is about learning how to transform your thinking from the way that you're used to thinking to thinking biblically. That's what Romans uh, 12, 1 and 2 teaches us. I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. You have to start thinking differently. And we do that through the word of God as we obey God's word and we learn how to be content in every situation. And so next week, we're going to continue doing some other things here about being content and concentrating on the areas of, of physical hindrances, personal tragedies such as health situations, handicaps, disabilities, loss of child, more. Now, if you have a specific thing you want me to talk about, okay? I have these here for you, okay? And you can fill them out and you can drop them in that offering uh, box back there, okay? So if you're like, hey, um, you know, I'm a kid and I'm not content with eating vegetables, you know, how am I going to deal with that, right? We can, we can talk about that, okay? Um, whatever it is, okay? And I want to actually give you some help with these things, all right? So these are here for you. You can grab one. You can fill out. You don't have to put your name on it, um, but you can drop it in the box there and we'll, uh, we'll talk about some of those things. But let's, uh, let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifewiththeridge.church.